Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program. Hello and welcome to Clash of the Titles, the podcast that sees two movies with something in common go head-to-head to see which one does it better. And welcome to part two of this week's Clash. So on Monday, we use the Bible to prove that dancing isn't the devil's work, but tractor jousting might be. And today, we're off on holiday with baby and family to discover that it's absolutely true. Staff at hotel resorts get up to all sorts behind closed doors while you're at the breakfast buffet. From 1987, it's Dirty Dancing. She thought it would be just another summer vacation. Who's that? Oh, them. They're the dance people. But it turns out to be the time of her life. Watch me now! I can't even do the merengue. He teaches her what she can do. We'll have a winner at the end of the show. But which film will it be? Let's find out. It's Clash of the Titles. the Kraken. Hello, Clash Potters. Never put a baby in the corner. I'm Alex Zane. I'm Vicky Crompton. I'm Chris Tilly. Very quickly, if you haven't subscribed to us, please do. Uh, we're at Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. If you could give us a rating review, it's very much appreciated. And also do follow us on Twitter at ClashPod and indeed on Instagram at ClashPod as well. Thank you very much. Uh, now, if you do have the time to give us a review. Uh, the wonderful Chris Tilly, a.k.a. Chris Thrilly, might end up reading it out on the show like this. Uh, this review comes from Miss VGW, who says, Awesome. Bingeable podcast hosted by two hilarious kids and their dad, Chris. 
So, so that's an excellent review because it's very brief and it nearly gets five stars for mentioning me by name, but I, but I have to dock it a star for implying that I'm not hilarious, which I think it does. <laughs> oh, all right, Dad. <laughs> Docking a star. Oh, lovely stuff. Uh, thank you for that review. Um, right. Part two of Footloose versus Dirty Dancing. Chris's choices. Chris, remind us why. Because uh, I fancy finding out why dirty dancing is liked by people is that why mm. I, yeah. yes i think so that yes. was that was similar to what you said on monday that'll do <laughs> uh, <laughs> so on monday i loosened my feet with footloose and today victoria is coming out of the corner to show us her filthy moves in dirty dancing <laughs> i'm v, so excited take, <laughs> take us on a journey the Houseman family, mum, dad, a girl so wide-eyed she's actually called Baby, and some girl who looks nothing like Baby but is her sister Lisa, take a wholesome vacation at Kellerman's Resort. Baby encounters the staff indulging in some dirty dancing, a.k.a. the vertical expression of a horizontal desire, or in this case, just the vertical doing of something you can also do horizontally. Despite her butter-wouldn't-melt bullshit, Baby swindles the love of her life, her dad, out of a substantial sum of money to procure a backstreet abortion for Penny, her main rival for the affections of smoking hot dance teacher Johnny, so that Johnny is forced to spend the entirety of Act 2 in a series of dance montages, where Baby learns to mambo and more, from spaghetti arms to ticklish arms to having sex with Johnny arms. But this film is really about a seismic moment of change in the cultural history of the USA. With Johnny and Penny representing the impending freedom of the 60s, collective action, control over your sexual and reproductive health, and more importantly, sexy dancing. Baby is the bridge between these worlds, besotted by her dad at the same time as she wrests power from him, exemplified by her and Johnny, finally smashing that mambo in a talent show where Johnny lifts Baby high in front of her dad, signalling to the old guard, this is our world now, Pops, a change is going to come. But more importantly, sexy dancing. The end. Very good. Wow. Thank you. That Did you was say she journey. has sex with Johnny's arms? Mm. <laughs> No. I didn't yeah. see that I didn't, scene. I didn't understand that bit either. I, I was like, did I watch the same film and how How no, does one? When, when she goes to have sex with him, she's like, oh, let's have a dance. It's a very uncomfortable scene, which we'll get to. She's like, oh, let's have a dance. And then she puts her arms around him and then they have sex. So that's okay. the progression. Okay. Anyway. Oh. Um, so... I oh no I'm gonna so Alex you've never seen this shall we just clear that off you've never seen it you hate dancing you hate old joy uh whatever uh, well well yes that's partially I've never seen this movie this was a first watch for me uh, but I have seen Dirty Dancing two Havana Nights okay so, an there interesting way into the into the world <laughs> <laughs> uh, if, it, if by interesting you mean uh, awful then the, yes the it most was. beloved entry in the series <laughs> <laughs> no i will say this though this was a first watch for me what a cracking movie i bloody love this movie and i didn't expect to be saying that on this show uh, i i had had some wine when I watched this film, but I'd also had wine when I watched Footloose, so you can remove the wine variable as a reason for my enjoyment of Dirty Dancing. Oh, how lovely. Oh, that's good. Um, Chris, what about you? 
Well, I'm not going to spoil how how I film feel about this film now at this point in the podcast because obviously knew, we wait until I the end it. of the yep. podcast I to knew do you'd this. Have a problem with that? But, I knew you <laughs> pick me up on that. It's like, have you had an opinion in your histories with this movie section? Because that is not how that section works. It's less an opinion, more a verdict. I think you gave. But anyway, um, Charlotte Page has a lot to, a lot to answer for. She was a friend of mine when I was at primary school, and I used to go to her house, and every day she would put on Grease and Dirty Dancing. So. <laughs> Oh, my God. (laughs) And I did not enjoy either film uh, as a child. But also, Dirty Dancing was weird when I was like nine, ten. It felt quite dangerous. And I didn't really understand what was happening or the emotions that were being expressed. And I think it's what I learned, how I learned what an abortion was by watching this film. And it's just, I don't know, it was weird for, it's not a film aimed at a 10-year-old boy. That's what I'll say about Dirty Dancing. Yeah, I mean, my history is really similar. So I had a, fr- I mean, it's, I've been so excited to talk about this film for a while because I do feel quite an emotional attachment to it. So I would have been probably about 11 or 12 because it was my friend when I was first at secondary school and her mum loved this film. And I loved my friend's family because in that, in that way, you know, when you're very young, well, when you come from a very secure, safe, loving household, what you do as an 11 or 12 year old is decide you hate that household and you love any family that is not like your own family. And my friend's family were really different from mine and they were, they would talk really openly about sex, but in an age-appropriate way. But in my house, you know, it was quite um, a very secure house, but quite buttoned up, and we just did not talk about that sort of thing ever. So to go around to my friend's house where her mum would be watching Dirty Dancing and cackling away and rewinding bits where Johnny's got his top off and all the rest of it, I thought that was brilliant. Um, And plus it's got abortion in it, which just blew my head off. Like I can't believe – I still can't believe it's got abortion in it. Um, and so anyway, my, my friend's mum was banging to this. We watched it again and again and again and listened to the soundtrack again and again. And it was just a crazy summer. You know how it goes. Nope. No point nope. of reference for any of that. But OK, <laughs> that was your story and I liked it. <laughs> OK, fine. So let's do the background. Um, a lot of this um, is from a New York Times article from, I can't remember when, called Fairy Tale Without an Ending by Anne Colson. Uh, so this this film belongs to the writer Eleanor Bergstein because it's quite an autobiographical tale. So she spent summers in a resort in the Catskills. She was what she called a mambo queen. I don't quite know what that means, but I imagine it means she won a competition or two for doing a mambo. Um, she turned she uh, she turned down to script writing, and she had a film called It's My Turn, which I haven't seen. Um, but apparently there was an erotic dance scene in it and it got cut. And so that made her think maybe I could do in a more extensive story around erotic dancing, which she called Dirty Dancing. She wrote the script. It went out with a cassette tape from her own 45s to make the soundtrack, which I think is a, well, it, it's brilliant because it works so well in this film, but the soundtrack is amazing. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's an incredible, I mean, if you like the soundtrack to Footloose, it puts that to shame. This soundtrack is probably one of the greatest movie soundtracks in the history of movie soundtracks. Exactly. Um, but it wasn't uh, it wasn't quite a smooth route to the screen, so it was developed at MGM, then it was dropped. Uh, the producer, Linda Gottlieb, had a hard time placing it because everyone thought it was smooth small and it was soft um and then it was picked up by vestron video but they cut the budget in half um so they were just going to show it in cinemas for a weekend and then release it on video so it was a really like belt and braces kind of production according to eleanor bergstein yeah well they didn't know what to do with it because they vestron video made chopping mall blood diner and slaughter high so (laughs) so a period piece about love was not was not their bread and butter 
Yeah. Mm. Um, they did an article in The Guardian in 2006, I think around when the stage version was being released with Eleanor Bergstein to see how she was feeling. Because she didn't do, I don't think she did another film after this, but she sort of, you know, this is her story and she was very much involved in the stage production. So does she need to do anything else? Um, and she said that they Vestron had a sponsor for the film, but it was an acne cream and she was appalled by it because she's trying to get teenage boys and girls to come and see the film. Uh, but then... Mm. The Acne Cream Company saw the film and said it wasn't prepared to sponsor a film that featured a coat hanger abortion. So they were out. Yeah, it was Clearasil. It was Clearasil with the actual oh, company. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they, 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 they were all up for it until uh, the filmmakers refused to take out the abortion subplot, uh, which is yeah. kind of not really a subplot. It's a massive part of the film. Can you take that out and not have a movie? Not really. No. I mean, I've got to say, I've so I've written a film with an abortion scene in it, and this was two years ago, and it went round to a few uh, companies to develop it, and we did not have an easy time with that. We were asked uh, if we could get rid of it uh, because everyone, because it's quite a, you know quite quite a low budget affair, and so everyone's thinking Netflix, and Netflix is thinking China, and all the rest of it, and it's just it, you know if you can take it out, they would rather you took it out at that time. Mm. I don't know if it would be different now, but the fact that it's in there, I, I, I just think is I mean, it's, it floors me. It's amazing. Well, it's the, it's mm. the inciting the inciting incident in the, maybe the most romantic and the sexiest film of the eighties is a botched abortion. That's mm. mental. It is absolutely <laughs> mental. Mm, yeah. Uh, and that's kind of it. So directed by Emile Ardeline, he'd won an Oscar for a documentary about ballet dancer Jacques D'Amboise. Um, and so stars Patrick Swayze, Jennifer Grey. No one knows who these people are apart from, I, I mean, I knew Jennifer Grey from Ferris Bueller's Day Off, but because I come to this, well, anyway, I was 11 years old. She was like a megastar to me because she'd been in Dirty Dancing. But at the time, she was a relative unknown, and so was Patrick Swayze. Um, the only thing I have to um, add to that is uh, you mentioned, obviously, this is Eleanor Bergstein's story, and um, and uh, Baby was, in fact, one of her nicknames. And she said uh, when she was coming up with the characters, a lot of them uh, were inspired by people she used to know where she lived and she said she couldn't really contact them for help because my old partners are either in jail or out on parole. It was a very rough neighbourhood. <laughs> <laughs> um, and fun fact, but Chris Tilly will know this, it's the first film ever to sell a million copies on video. That's a good fact. Uh, yeah, good uh, fact. I like the fact that Billy Zane very nearly played Johnny Castle. Did yeah, he? yeah. Like all Zanes, like all Zanes, he couldn't dance though. That was the problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can see a screen test, and it and it, it's very different to uh, Patrick Swayze's because Eleanor Eleanor um, Bergstein had a real say in who played that role, and she's in in every interview I saw with her, she said her thing was he had to have hooded eyes. So she was going through photos of actors in Hollywood and picking the ones that had hooded eyes. She said, not love me eyes like John Travolta, but hooded no. eyes. And that's what Patrick Swayze had. I don't even yes. know what that means. What does that mean, it's Vicky? A, it's come back to bed eyes. It's not go to bed, come back to bed. Oh, just, that's, is that not the sexiest thing you've ever heard in your life? If someone's wow. got those eyes and those eyes are saying come back to bed. Oh, my God. It he, says a lot. Um, he, nearly, he nearly didn't do it, did he, Patrick Swayze? Because his CV at this point, he'd hurt, he'd got a knee injury from his dancing career, and this the the the, the, uh, the resume that went out to people um, interested in him for a role said no dancing on it because of his injury. But he read the script and he was like, "Screw it, I'm still going to do it with my knee injury because I think it's a great role." Yeah, and you can see some of the behind-the-scenes footage, particularly of the finale, and he is in absolute agony. 
Um, oh, it's really? a, yeah, it's amazing. He pulls off the jump off the stage at the end because when you see the 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 takes of that that didn't go well, it's because he just can barely stand on that leg. So Ugh. he did a fine yeah, job. Sh- he did. There's an interview that I was watching with him where he he talks about just not only that injury but the uh, the pain that comes with some of the dancing in the film, just rehearsing and doing it over and over again. It sounds horrific. You watch these dances, you go, sexy, sexy. But in reality, owie, owie. They were really painful. <laughs> I mean, sexy, sexy can also be owie, owie in real life, I guess. Sure. Why not? If you're doing it wrong, you know, <laughs> or if, you do it, if you're doing it right. Depends yeah. on what you like. Oh. We're a very we're a very inclusive <laughs> podcast, is what I'm saying. Very very <laughs> inclusive. Um, are you going to mention? I think Patrick Swayze and Jennifer Grey did not get on at no, points they didn't. in the film, which is uh, when you watch it, you can't believe that. But I, uh, there's a line where from his autobiography, Patrick Swayze says, "We did have a few moments of friction where we were tired, or after a long day of shooting, she seemed particularly emotional, sometimes bursting into tears if someone criticised her. Other times, she slipped into silly moods." forcing us to do scenes over and over again because she'd just start laughing. <laughs> yeah, the ticklish arms thing is meant to be like, is said to be like the perfect example of that. So he's he's doing the thing where he sort of, you know, where he moves his fingers down the underneath of mm. her arm. She's a very ticklish spot and it's part of the montage and she laughs three times and he looks exasperated, but he's meant to have been genuinely thoroughly pissed off yeah. by that point. She's just stop fucking laughing. Yeah, they talk about they talk about finding that on the edit cutting room floor. I, they were because it was obviously not going to go in because it was like the scene where she'd messed up. So they were like, "We're not using that." She's messed up, and then someone saw it and went, "Actually, this is brilliant." That's Kenny Ortega's favorite moment in the movie because it's so honest, which is yeah. kind of weird though because they're not acting. That's why it's honest. He's genuinely really pissed off with her for laughing. Well, she got cast before him, and then she told them she would she wouldn't work with him because of oh, really? the experience they'd had on Red Dawn. Um, together and so but they you know that screen test which we'll, we'll, we'll post on the twitter like you can you can see the magic there in the screen test and they went to Swayze and said look we want you she doesn't you need to talk to her and figure this out and they went off for 20 minutes came back and and sort of they went off looking sad came back smiling I don't know what happened and um <laughs> <laughs> and he had the role but yeah it happened it happened during the shoot as well they fell out again and um and it wasn't working and apparently um they the Emil took them to one side and showed them their that showed them that screen test and said look you can see the magic there you haven't got it here you guys need to figure this out and obviously they did but it's interesting that out of you know maybe borderline hatred came this real sort of hot romantic love as well yeah yeah uh, and finally, this is obviously our second Patrick Swayze movie on the pod after mm. Roadhouse. Um, yeah. And hopefully at some point in the future, we'll do uh, 2007's Canadian comedy, Christmas no. in Wonderland, in which he stars alongside Tim Curry. <laughs> and that completes this week's obligatory Tim Curry reference. Ugh, I found gee. one. Ugh. You love it, Chris. You love it. Yeah, right. you love it. Let's talk about the film. Great. Let's talk about the film. Okay, so... Um, Dancing is Filthy, established by the opening, by the, the credits at the open to the Ronettes Be My Baby. That's all you need to know. Dancing is absolutely filthy. Brilliant. And how. And how. Um, so the Housemans, nice family, nuclear family, go to Kellerman's, and we are in for, it's the classic, one summer to change your life and a summer romance and all of that. Now, Kellerman's is very tame and safe. Baby goes to a merengue class. Not only can she not dance, she can't even really move side to side in time. Um, and she loves her dad. So that's what we've set up straight away. Um, 
do you, I mean, when you think about this one summer to change your life and a summer romance, does it tap into anything in you two personally that makes you identify with that? Or is that just an alien concept to you? I'm not saying uh, it's, it's recognizable to me, but... A hundred percent for me, yeah. The, uh, <laughs> yeah. the summer of 1998, finishing finishing my A-levels and, um, and that summer when you'd left school and it's a really long summer. But it was Dazed and Confused because I watched Dazed and Confused at the start of that summer and it was a summer spent drinking in parks and <laughs> I was like, every time we went out, Everyone was quoting Dazed and Confused, so that was mine. <laughs> yeah, but Bill, I mean, I mean, outside of film, like the the idea of of a, a, a like a yeah yeah time of course it just stretches out and yeah yes, and there's a romance possibly, and it's a very yeah and it's cherished warm. memory. It's warm. It's always warm. It's so ridiculous. I remember when I was growing up, when I was younger, there was I read somewhere like this silly aside that you know grown ups always think it's warmer when in their memories, and I was like, God, I'll never think that because I'm from Blackburn and it's fucking freezing all the fucking time. And now in my memories of growing up in Blackburn, in the summer it was boiling. It was always boiling hot, and we were running through fields, and it's like they, that just can't be true. But it's just getting older. Isn't that disappointing that you just turn into your parents in that way and you're like, yep, yeah, it was it was always roasting hot, wasn't? Anyway, uh, that's me. What are you John. talking about? It doesn't, it doesn't matter. Anyway, <laughs> let's get to my first favourite scene. Right. So, Wait, was it or wasn't it hot in Blackburn? I'm, it I'm can't confused. Have been hot. It cannot have been hot because it's literally Blackburn. Right. But in my All memory, right. it was always in the sort of mid-twenties and it, that just can't be true. And our parents all think it's hot in Blackburn or, <laughs> I, or they don't know what the weather is in Blackburn. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, do they, I don't know if I've what ever. I, mean I've ever, I haven't talked to my mum about it. Yeah. Ask her. Well, will you just ask her, please? <laughs> right. Alex, sure. yep. I've asked you a million times. Can you please ask your mum <laughs> what she well, thought the weather was like in Blackburn in the early to mid 90s? We just do that and, for you, please. And she's going to say what? It's she's roasting gonna say or about not? 24, 25. <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> All right. Yeah. I'll ask it. Whatever. Just, <laughs> just get this out of the way. Anyway, here's our first important scene. I love this scene so much. It's so ridiculous. So Max Kellerman is talking to the waiters and he's like, you guys, you're Harvard educated. And so here we have the demarcation of the social classes. And then he literally says this line, which I can't believe it, but it's brilliant. And he goes, well, if it isn't the entertainment staff. <laughs> when Patrick Swayze... <clears throat> And the entertainment staff walking, and I love that. Patrick Swayze is wearing sunglasses inside. He's got a leather jacket. He's not a college boy. Um, and it's just, there we are. There is your social strata in four lines. The waiters are upper class. The entertainment staff are working class. Have fun with that. Brilliant. Absolutely yeah. brilliant. Yeah, the, uh, the problem I have with the scene is there's really no way back from this scene for Max Kellerman, who is kind of played as a reasonable nice guy he's running a resort but it's the bit where he's talking to the waiters and he says don't forget to get with the daughters mm. of the guests even the dogs mm. and you're like whoa yeah. i i struggled to like him after he said that and i think it's 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 a, it's, it's it's quite it's quite a troubling troubling line for him yeah. it's a bit it's, weird it speaks to my like 
my selective, like my willful selective memory with something like this. He says dogs, and I'm like, oh god, don't do that, and then just instantly forgot. I was like, oh, he's so lovely, <laughs> such a granddad. <laughs> um, yeah. Just yeah, I forgave the, the, him. The the the, uh, the tap dancing duet goes some way to make me like him uh, oh, a little yeah. more than he does. Because <laughs> a little known fact about me that my biggest regret in life is never learning to be a tap dancer. Are you I'm, serious? Because you hate I, yeah, dancing. I really, <laughs> Yeah, but I think this is why, because I went to one tap dancing lesson as a kid and there were no other boys there and I got the fear and so I left and I really wish I'd seen it through because l- I love tap dancing. I think it's my favourite kind of dancing. It's, it gets, it's the only dancing I'll tolerate. <laughs> okay. There you go, Gary. You'll get to tap dance with Alex Zane at our first live show. <laughs> I forgot. Gary, pick a tap dance for us. You can tap dance now, though, if you wanted to, after <laughs> coronavirus. Of course you can. Why not? Why not go to a tap lesson? I think it's nice should be lockdown. That should have been your lockdown, Alex. Can you oh imagine my God. if when we started, you bounded across to us? Tap dance into the studio. That would be amazing. I'm still. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Let's hope there's another lockdown, and I'll do it. So we see Johnny and Penby. Penby. Johnny and Penny Mambo. Saucy, great. Neil, evil grandson, will come back to him and he's like showing off Walt's Hell dance lessons. It bloody will, Neil, and you'll you'll see. But the important point we're getting to is that baby wins a chicken, which I'd forgotten. That's stupid. (laughs) (laughs) I wrote that down. I wrote that down. I was like, this this is the movie in which someone takes part in a magic show and as a result of that is presented with a chicken. Yeah. And what does she do with the chicken? Because cut two, she's going to the do not pass this point because it's for the staff. Where's the chicken? It's just gone. (laughs) Just throwing the chicken in the lake, probably. Um, So the very, very, very memorable, important scene uh, Johnny, Johnny's cousin Billy is carrying some watermelons. Baby is going to help him. She goes up to the staff quarters and she sees some dirty dancing. Um, Billy explains they can't dance like that in the main house. So where else are they going to do it? They can't just not dance. They have to dance, right? It's that important. But mm. this scene is important to me because the age at which I saw it, I had baby's reaction. So I was like, what are they doing? <laughs> like, what is that? I don't know what that is. Will I do that one day? Maybe. Um, her reaction and... is priceless as well. <laughs> yeah. her, fa- her face when yeah. that door opens is just wonderful. She's great. I, again, Jennifer Grey is fantastic in this movie. Bearing in mind, I hadn't seen Red Dawn, so I, I still haven't seen Red Dawn, which means I've never seen Jennifer Grey in cinema. This is my first experience of Jennifer Grey, and I didn't know what to expect having not seen this movie before. And she is such a brilliant comic actress. She's yeah. got some wonderful moments in this. I feel like um, Titanic was trying to use a little bit of this magic in that scene where Kate Winslet first sees the the poor people below deck having fun and dancing. <laughs> it's that moment of seeing, um, seeing how the other half live uh, below deck. And um, it is like stepping into a parallel universe. In terms of that dirty dancing, Kenny Ortega who we mentioned on the last episode and uh, Hocus Pocus episode who choreographed this. He talks about it. He said Dirty Dancing had rules, um, certain moves in a certain space. He describes it. Uh, these are different quotes I got from him, but they, he describes it as soul dancing with a partner plus mumbo and Cuban motion. There's street dancing, there's bending and grinding and what he calls having conversations with your bodies. Oh, beautiful and sexy. Mm. More to the point. And this is the thing. This is why this film surprised me because I walked into it going, I can't believe I'm (laughs) having to watch this film. I can't believe this. I've avoided this film for like 30 years. Well done me. And now I'm having to watch it. 
this is really good. Like the choreography, like the way they dance is, I've never seen it on film before. I've never seen anyone dancing like the dancing takes place, that takes place in this film. And it is genuinely very sexy. And this film began to soften my heart to dancing. Yeah, and also because you're you are a baby, even if you're not twelve when you see that, because she's so astonished. But also, it hits those other points as well that are just extremely relatable. So Johnny Castle is the hottest guy in the room by a long way, and she's there on the sidelines and she's like, "He's not going to talk to me. He's not going to talk to me." Oh shit, he is talking to me, and she's just like, "Oh, I carried a watermelon." And it's a stupid line, and it probably shouldn't have as much <laughs> love as it does. But that moment of like, "Why have I just said that?" and and I, I don't like the fact that she repeats it to sort of button. Oh, I've said a stupid thing. It's like we know you said a stupid thing because you just said you carried a watermelon. But it's that everyone's got a memory like that. Everybody. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, I I love the way him him and Penny just explode into that room as well. Even before that, like it's he's the king of this place. I mean, he's the king of the other place until someone tells him what to do, and then here, no one tells Johnny what to do, and so. Uh, it's just uh, what's impressive is how he manages to be so masculine and feminine at the same time. I don't know how he does it, Swayze, but it's it's a sight to behold when his his hips are swiveling and and literally <laughs> I feel like just by by looking at her she turns into a woman. <laughs> <laughs> Steady on, Chris. But yeah, that's powerful stuff. I'm fanning <laughs> myself. My God, just <laughs> someone look at me like that. Christ. <laughs> <laughs> And then he walks away from her, doesn't he? He gives there's a bit of a dry hump, and then he's off. Yeah, yeah. fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> mean slash keen. Yeah, and that's mm. the best way. Always the best way. Um, okay, so actually, let's have a break, and then we'll talk about abortion. <laughs> <laughs> Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. This week at Sukarnov. Over on My Seven Wonders with Clive Anderson, comedy legend Ian Stone is choosing what he'd put on his list of personal wonders of the world. Along the way, he tells the story of the first time he ever did stand-up, and it wasn't exactly by choice. My friends, who um, unbelievably remained my friends after this, uh, put me down secretly for the open mic spot. I mean, I went on, I actually I didn't know what to say. I stood there. I'd never been on a stage before. Well, actually, I'd done a school play once, but I, I was playing uh, I was some biblical thing. I can't even remember, but... Um, you so you I went s- into your I Am Joseph, yeah. uh, is there room in your inn routine? Give me my coloured coat. Yeah, that didn't work. Meanwhile, these self-care club ladies are keen to figure out why so many women often find themselves saying sorry for just about anything. 
I think that it is such a fine line between over-apologising unnecessarily and actually standing up and saying, I'm sorry for this. I'm sorry if you've been uncomfortable in any way that's been caused by me. And I think that's a sign of strength, isn't it? To be able to apologise for yourself, but not at the cost of your self-esteem. All that and a whole lot more at Sukarnov. We learn that Penny is pregnant, which in this film means that everyone is going to get fired, which I don't quite understand, but also fine. They jump through a lot of hoops to set this up, don't they? Of everyone's going to get fired, everyone's going to lose all their money if they miss one dance on a particular day, and there's (laughs) an an abortion, a travelling abortion doctor who's who's in town for one day. Well, the whole thing sounds ridiculous, but you sort of they sell it enough that you go with it. Yeah, and Robbie won't help. So Robbie is the waiter, one of the waiters, is going to turn out to be our baddie. Um, and he's the one who is the father of this baby, or, but he's not sure. He says he's not sure, and he's not going to help her. But Robbie is reading The Fountainhead. So in this movie, he's the villain. Um, so have you read The Fountainhead? Alex, it's right up your street. It's the one about, it's about the architect. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. No, I'm... But basically, individualism versus collectivism... Um, and so the political shift of the 60s, um, it, it, this, sorry, I'm, what I'm saying is, is this film is like a lens on the political shift of the 60s because the 60s after the Civil Rights Act would be signed in 64, this takes place in 63, and we're moving into a period where collective action replaced individualism for a while and then it was replaced again in the 80s by like hyper-consumerism and individualism. And I, this film isn't, I'm not, I don't think I'm reading that into this film. Robbie goes, I'm a dick, and then shows the fountainhead. So that's this this film's take on that shift at that time i would say mm. yeah 100 percent. yeah um so penny needs an abortion but this is the thing when i was 12 i was like penny needs an abortion okay what's the what's the problem it's like oh it's fucking illegal it's like oh God, yeah that's crazy um there's um there's a bit of on the nose there's a bit of an on the nose exchange between penny and baby just to show baby's privilege which I was like, mm, uh, I don't know that you'd say that when Penny says, my dad kicked me out when I was 16 and baby literally goes, I envy you. She asked her dad for $250, which in today's money, that's $2,000. Uh, yeah. No questions asked. I think if I'd asked my dad for 2000 pounds no question asked i think he'd tell me to bugger off but yeah i agree with you but i think this scene then is again about the paternalism of daddy's generation he doesn't suspect baby is capable of deceit or of anything untoward and so it's and that works as well in terms of a father-daughter dynamic about especially about how naive she is but equally the paternalism of the 40s 50s did not see the 60s come in kind of thing couldn't believe it when it was happening and resisted it um and that's why that scene plays out like that where he's like of course because in his eyes what's she gonna do it doesn't matter what she does with it because it won't be anything bad he even says he even says it's not illegal is it and then goes i don't, can't believe i even asked that of course it's not yeah but he'll see <laughs> he'll find idiot. out <laughs> what an idiot yeah uh, so this means that baby, like you say, Chris, it's ridiculous that uh, Penny and Johnny were due at the shelter on Thursday and now they can't go. So someone's got <laughs> to go and there's a room full of professional dancers, but they can't go. So baby's got to go. And so we get a lot of dance montages. But the thing is... Oh, come on, though. That know, dance montage, that trait, that is... Uh, it might even usurp it. That might be the greatest training montage since Rocky Four. It is... <laughs> 
incredible. The yeah. bit on the bridge where she keeps beating herself up because she keeps getting it wrong. I was in stitches. Did it's you like that? So because funny. you get you get a lot of close ups of feet in that scene, Alex. Oh, yeah. I can deal with feet. There's no, they're not bare feet though, as far as yeah. I remember. Yeah, unless, they are bare had... feet. I'm afraid. What on the log? They're bare feet, mate. And that is why you shouldn't drink wine, children. But <laughs> oh, <I know. laughs> well, this is one of the this is one of the moments where they fell out because Jennifer Grey didn't want to go on that log. She thought it was dangerous because there wasn't anything protective underneath. And Swayze, it is bloody dangerous. Swayze, I couldn't believe it. Swayze's obviously quite a macho guy in real life. The way they talk about him, he's quite competitive, and he insisted she'd come out there, and she wouldn't. And so he ended up doing a lot of it on his own. And he fell and injured himself, and it delayed the shoot. So more she for right. him, yeah, yeah, more for him. I mean, it's a it's to me. I hadn't watched. I watched Footloose after I watched this, and my notes are: Is there anything better than a dance montage? And it turns out there is, because this montage is better than the Footloose montages. Um, but yeah, I, I love I love all of this. I don't mind that there's so much dancing in this film and a lot of montages. I just think it's it just adds to it. It's I don't miss the sort of the beats of the story. And also, baby, you know, we have to show that she's changing literally. So gone are the cardigans and culottes, and she's got this smoking hot body top on and these uh, cut off shorts. So she's like she's changing as a person. Um, so we've got two days yeah. to go. She's getting better, but she's freaked out by the lift. That is important. We will come back to that. Mm. It's a good montage because as the montage goes on, the clothes come off. They start fully clothed at the start of the montage, and by the end, they're pretty much naked. Yeah, like a good like a good podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to say this on Monday's show, but I, I was so hot in my office that I did it topless. Uh, genuinely, I should have saved it for this show because Patrick Swayze spends about ninety percent of this movie without a top on. So <laughs> yeah. I should have done it now. I think he's a bit out of order in a couple of those scenes where he's having a go at her for not making eye contact with him, and he's got his shirt off. Put your shirt on if you want <laughs> her to look in your eyes. <laughs> yeah. mm. What is she supposed to do? Why, why would you? Why would you look at the eyes when the nipples are there? You look at the nipples. Do you? I I find nipples are the eyes of the chest. (laughs) (laughs) Getting weirdo. That's really funny. Get him off. <laughs> anyway, back to the politics. Uh, Penny is stealing herself for her abortion, and she's scared, and she should be, because it's the 60s, and an abortion then was a hot bath and a fucking sharp stick, and out you went. But Baby, yeah. to show how great Baby is, is just banging on about the dance. So Penny's, like, dressing her, and Penny's like, I'm going for an abortion tonight, and I'm fucking terrified. She's like, do you think I'll do the lift? It's like, come on, like... <laughs> help her out a little bit but you've paid for it and so you i i do think that she wants a bit of admiration for having paid for this procedure and she isn't really penny's friend because she's not listening uh to penny's fears but anyway the show goes on i think jennifer gray does a brilliant job here of being half a good dancer do you not think so she doesn't do the lift but she does the rest of the dance and she's got like her full face of makeup and she looks terrified but she does half good dancing yeah mm. Yes, I think her dance journey throughout the film is very well judged. The, the first time in, in the first Dirty Dancing scene with Swayze when she's just sort of thrusting back and forth is really oh, funny. it's so good. Yeah. It's so funny. <laughs> and then she gets better and better. And you're right, she, she, she's good enough, but she leaves a lot left so that the finale really works. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and what I didn't realise, obviously this was my first watch of the movie, as I keep saying, but the Schumachers are in the audience at the the Sheldrake Hotel, which is kind of important later on. The older couple who they notice and they think they've seen her. I I didn't really get this at the time, but that obviously comes back into play when there's the accusation of the stolen wallet. 
Well, you mentioned the Schumachers. Would you like to? It's a good opportunity for you to do your Joel Schumacher impression again, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> you, I, it's, 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 it's inappropriate right now, but it is a very good impression of American Joel New Yorker. Schumacher. <laughs> Born and bred New Yorker Joel Schumacher. Thanks for bringing that up. Literally got it in my notes. Uh, <laughs> uh, so Penny's in a bad way after her abortion, weirdly. Um, Billy says, I could hear her screaming down the hall, which if that doesn't put you off sex forever, I don't know what will. I mean, that to me, I, oh, I think about that a lot. Like it's, she's lucid, but she's not. And so baby has to get her dad and her dad comes to the rescue. It's well, it's a well-written film. Like there's some very, very concise dialogue that really paints a picture. I thought a fold-out table and a dirty knife was Ugh. very effective. It really paints Ugh. a picture visually when they say that's what the doctor was. He had a fold-out table and a dirty knife, and you're like, ouch. Ouch, yes. So Daddy is dragged... What is Daddy's name? I can't Jerry, think. Jerry Orbach's Jake. the actor. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah, Daddy. Jake Houseman. Jake. His name's Jake. You know, like like Gerard Butler's character in Geostorm, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, he does help, and I think the film does a really good job of not saying, oh, isn't he a good guy for helping? Because Daddy's position, Daddy's privilege is his skills and his medical expertise, and he does help, but he isn't like, oh, I'm, you know, I expect praise for that. But he, he knows he's being dragged into the new world. That's the politics. And he'll get on board with it but he can't help berating his daughter who's dragged him into this world. So he's really mean to her. And he's like, take that stuff off your face, which is a horrible thing to say to your daughter. And she has not even got that much makeup on and all the rest of it. And he doesn't, you know, their relationship is really loving and he treats her like a child. And so to say that to her, like take that stuff off your face is a really adult thing to say to her. And it's very uh, hurtful. Yeah. This whole scene though, when the father, Jake, asks who is responsible for Penny and Patrick Swayze says I am I don't like the fact that this whole this whole second half of the movie and the dad's dislike of Patrick or at least part of it is based on a misunderstanding yeah it's quite very contrived yeah it's so it's just frustrating yeah frustrating because it could just get cleared up so easily exactly uh but importantly baby is pissed off at her dad so she goes to Johnny's cabin. He's shirtless, playing what Otis Redding's. Yeah, these arms what, of mine. What a room, though! It's like a Scandi, Scandi-influenced hipster <laughs> heaven. You'd pay about three grand a week for that in Shoreditch. It is. It's an incredible room. <laughs> but I think the producers of Roadhouse saw that and went, "We'll use this ex- almost exact same scene <laughs> two years later, whatever it was. Little cabin room, Otis Redding. These arms of mine. Nice lady is going to come into him. Have sex with you. <laughs> Happy days." Um, so this scene, I mean, right, I think quite a lot about this scene, but let's see. So Eleanor Burstein, this is what she says about the scene. She thinks this is the moral centre, the dead centre of this movie, not the moral centre. Um, the feeling that Baby expresses, which is, I'm scared of walking out of this room and never feeling the rest of my whole life the way I feel when I'm with you. Mm. And she says, that moment in your life when you move one way or another, it's really beautiful what she says, if you focus your heart and your spirit, you can hold your life in your arms and make it do anything. Beautiful. And people, you know, something that people get. But I've always found it a bit off. <laughs> I get the fe- <laughs> No, I mean, I get the feeling. When baby says that, I understand that. I understand that feeling for me and to project myself onto that feeling. But between her and Johnny, I mean, they dance, by which I mean, they have sex but 
it's I don't know. I'm not approved, but I feel like he kind of owes her because of the abortion money. And he says to her, it's very on the nose. He's like, I've never met anyone like you. And he's supposed to be awakened to his own sense of worth and what he could possibly achieve. And he's... um to me, he could be any sexy dancer and he would service the same sort of narrative drive for baby. Like she's just met a good dancer and she's been, you know, she's kind of had to dance with him because of the abortion thing. So the power is a bit off. Like, does he have to put out to pay her back? Because also she could get him fired and she's never said that to him, but she says it to Robbie. And it's really easy for her to say that I can get you fired. No problem. So by inference, she can get him fired. No problem. And so I, I just don't like... I'm, as a feminist, I believe in equality. And so I just want the power to be on a bit more of an equal footing before they do it, because then that would make it more attractive for me. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, I do. I do. And I also think he strikes me in this scene as someone who's not ready to embark on a on a big relationship. He's so filled with self-loathing and self-hatred. He doesn't really seem to me like someone who's in the right frame of mind um, <laughs> to get together with a girl who's half his age. <laughs> um, yeah, which is another weird aspect of the whole thing is that Swayze was 35 when he made this, and he's he's and he looks 35, he? and he's he hooking does up. Not look 35. And he's, oh, he he's, does. He's very leathery, he and he's and he's hooking up with a girl who's 17, 18. That that I really feel that in this scene, it's a bit. I feel a bit creepy. You see, yeah. that's what I find. That I thought that's that was that's enough for me for her dad, Jake to have a problem with him. The fact that he does look too old for her when they're standing next to each other, which is a father, <laughs> you'd be like, who's this? Who's this? This guy has lived, baby. He has lived too much for you. <laughs> He's playing someone in his mid-twenties, which isn't as bad, but still creepy. I can remember those blokes in their mid-twenties that were, when I was sort of 17 that would hang around with the, with the girls in our year and you just think, what is wrong with you? Yeah, I yeah. know what you mean. Yeah, but he is—he's very open about it. For for example, there is a there's some pillow talk between them. Where <laughs> uh, here, here's a tip for you: uh, when the person you're with uh, in bed uh, asks you if you've had a lot of women because of your job, don't say. Well, when you come from the streets, you're suddenly up here, and these women, they're throwing themselves at you, and they smell so they good. Smell they smell so really, good. <laughs> they really take care of themselves. It's the smell, you see. He's powerless yeah. to the smell. <laughs> the, the, <laughs> what are you talking about, Johnny? <laughs> Johnny, shut up and dance. That is, <laughs> yeah, take your shirt off. That's but you can still say, no, I haven't, because he's like, oh, these women, they take good care of themselves, they smell so good, but I don't sleep with yeah. just, just to be yeah. clear. But I'm, I'm also yeah. glad there's a deleted scene from this sequence, um, or it's kind of a different a different way that they end up in bed together. And I'm glad they cut it because I can remember Dirty Dancing. It seemed dangerous. And I remember, uh, you know, Swayze, when he first heard about it, was worried it was going to be a porno. And the director was wanting to pull back from it being like a Porky's kind of film. He was concerned it would be like that. But the, the scene when they get together here, is uh, that they deleted is is played to She's Like the Wind. They use that here, the Patrick Swayze song. And it is yeah. filthy for the whole song. They are dry <laughs> humping with her just grinding on him. And I mean, it's very sexy, but I'm kind of, I'm I'm glad they cut they, they decided to really pull back on the sex stuff. Yeah. And they even they even just pull away when they kiss. Um it's, this, it's very moment. This moment was a bit like the scene in Footloose where Kevin Bacon reads erotic fiction to Chris Penn. 
carry on, Chris. She was well, he was grinding, grinding, and grinding. Is anyone else in the break? God, I, I, I won't lie. I'm, I'm aroused, and I've taken my top off again. There you go. Oh, God. Anyway, um, so we're going to have a talent show in Act Three, which, as you know, is a personal favourite of mine, a big tick, but. For me, I mean, as much as I love this film, it kind of unravels a little bit here. So there's a, I think the script forces a low point between Johnny and Baby, and they fall out, but it's a bit contrived because she won't tell her dad about them. Johnny beats the shit out of Robbie, and then Johnny has this sort of awakening because he rejects Mrs. Pressman's advances, who's actually trying to buy him for sex. Um, yeah. And he's like, no, Mrs. Pressman, I'm not going to do that. And Baby does eventually tell her dad, and there's nothing wrong with the beats, but I think the beats are in a bit of a weird order because it seems like Mrs. Pressman is framing Johnny because she's angry about the rejection, but then it turns out the wallets really were stolen and, and all yeah. of that. Like it, it doesn't. Ah, that's what I mean. It's very confusing, the Schumacher sub-story, because yeah. there's the bit earlier where she drops her handbag, Mrs. Schumacher, and one of them, Johnny or Baby, picks it up and there's... It's Penny and, and Baby the... help help her with all the wallets. Right. Yeah. Right, but I didn't pick up on that at all. I didn't. Oh. I don't think it was clear that those were stolen wallets, or there were more wallets than there should have been in her bag. It just looked like they were helping an older woman um, who dropped her bag. I didn't yeah. pick up on this theft thing. No, you're uh, not supposed to know clear. it then. But then, but then the reveal here, you're like, oh, of course, those were stolen right. wallets. Because it is weird that there are four wallets drop all out of her bag. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird that this this elderly couple are master thieves. I love oh, it. Yeah. I think it's great because they're so sweet. They're the last people yeah. you'd expect. I think that's really great. Yeah. Um, and then we get a really big scene. Well, it feels like a big scene for me between baby and daddy where she says she's sorry. And this is the thing that I've meant the whole way through about the new world colliding with the old because he is crying as well. And it's very upsetting. But I think, I think, and this might be a massive stretch, but the crying is because, so his type of power is finally undone and it's his daughter who did it to him. And she took the spoils of his privilege, which is money, by exploiting his trust. But it was his blind spot in terms of like her naivety and her childlike nature. And it all went wrong with the abortion and he fixed it. But she's saying to him, this is how it's going to be now. In this new world that's coming, we need people like you, but you will not call the shots. I will change the world in the way I see fit, not your way. And that's what you love about me, if you love me at all. And that's why they're both crying. It's not really just about what's happened, I think. Um, which is why I like this film. I'm just reading a lot into it. I can see what you're saying, but it also does feel like just a, a dad crying because he's lost his daughter. <laughs> I mean, be sure. Yeah, maybe. Um, but also then that sentiment is picked up. I love this. It's such a tiny thing, but I love it. Max Kellerman at the end of the season, mournfully reflecting that the kids don't want to come to Kellerman's anymore and they want to go to Europe and they want 22 countries in three days. And they're not just following the paths that their parents took. It's a little thing, but I think it just buttons for me all of this political stuff that's been like swirling around. But doesn't that also enable them to set up a potential sequel because he's lost them all to Europe, but then maybe because the dirty dancing explodes yeah. in front of everyone there's yeah. potential for for Kellermans to come back next season because the kids will want yeah. to come back if they yeah. if they are that's, able to do yeah. that that's why that dance scene the talent show is important because here's Johnny nobody puts baby in the corner stupid thing to say it doesn't matter why, they dance. Yeah, what is that line why is that what <laughs> Obviously, it's very famous. Nobody puts baby in the corner. And I was like, I'll finally get to see what it means in context. And 
it doesn't fucking make sense. What? Here's a quote from here's a quote from Eleanor Bergstein about that line. Uh, she says, "It's not something I'm deeply committed to. It's not a great phrase." That's the only <laughs> quote I can find from her about that line. Well, so Patrick Jesus confuses everyone about about how that's become the the sort of famous line. He didn't want to do it. Patrick Swayze said, I don't like this line. I don't want to do it. And had to be yeah. convinced to do it. It just doesn't make any sense. It's. I think it's become famous because it's so weird. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. It is weird. She's not in a corner. Like you say, it would have been so easy to actually just put her in the corner <laughs> just for one shot and be like, oh, well, that, that works. That's fine. Let's do that. Um, God, now I can't even remember where I'm up to. I'm at the very end. You've thrown me. Uh, right, talent show. Nobody puts baby in the corner. They dance. She's amazing. He jumps off the stage, breaking his leg or whatever you now tell me. <laughs> um, he's And then it's a musical moment, and I am not a fan of musicals, but his dance troupe sort of appear behind him, and they've got a routine, and it's fucking brilliant. <laughs> and I don't care that it's hi- uh, hyper real. Um, she does the... They do the lift. Amazing. But this scene... I mean, I think the payoff, you know, it's really important in a film like this that all the characters get their payoff and it just about works. But I sort of I'm quite admiring of how quickly it just about works. So daddy is talking to Penny, which means he doesn't hate her and he's not saying I regret getting involved with you and I don't want to talk to you after saving your life. He's accepted. He'll be part of this new world. Robbie is disgraced and sent packing. Johnny's given the seal of approval. Mum and dad are having a dance. Lisa's happy. Baby and Johnny have had the time of their lives. She's Francis now. She's not a virgin. She knows her power. She can change the world. Johnny can go off to dance how he pleases. And all this dirty dancing means that Kellerman will get new people in next year. So it's like just wrapping up everybody super, super quick. Probably could be more powerful, but in in terms of like doing it in five minutes, a really good job. Robbie needs uh, something worse to happen to him. He's a, he's a bad bad guy. Bad guy, that Robbie. I'd, I'd like more than him not getting a tip from <laughs> yeah, Mr. Houseman. envelope of cash. <laughs> yeah, I mean, something worse, like, like his dick dropping off. That would be a better end for Robbie. Now, the thing is, this last quote from me from Eleanor Bergstein from that Guardian interview, this is why everyone loves this film, Chris. So she says, what I feel now is that everyone has a secret dancer in them. Everyone believes they can do what baby does. They can learn to dance. And you know what? You can. That is 100% what I believe about myself. And that's why I like this film so much, because I believe I can dance. And I, I know I can't, but I'm sure if someone taught me, I would be, I would be baby, definitely. And a lot of people feel like that. And I'm the sort of person that I will dance. I'm right. So it's either the worst kind of dance or the best kind, depending on your mindset. I will always try. That's embarrassing for everybody around me, but I'll always give it a whirl. Can, <laughs> can I ask? The fact that I'm how do you how do you feel about tap dancing? Because uh, we could, <laughs> I mean, maybe we could do it together. If you want someone to come with you, I would be absolutely delighted. I think we'd Great. be amazing, amazing. And we can yeah, get yeah. top hats, so we can get canes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, ba- ba- baby steps, baby steps. <laughs> <laughs> Francis, she's Francis now. Um, it, it, it's interesting. They did have a big dance planned for the end, like a big spectacular dance for the two of them. But when they were shooting it, they realised they needed to be steps that you've seen throughout the film combined, that it was nothing new that the audience hasn't seen before. To show that it's that moment where I guess, as kind of what you're saying, Vicky, this is the moment where baby gets everything right. Everyone's watching her. Everything she's learned all goes into this one moment and it all just comes off. And it is that it's that moment of such, I guess, joy. And I I found this finale similar to a Rocky movie in the way it all Mm. builds up to this finale and they build the tension and the excitement. And then you get that just that that one moment of absolute ecstasy at the end. 
Yeah. Je- yeah, Jennifer Grey only did the they only did the lift once where he lifts her, and they got it in one take because Jennifer Grey was genuinely petrified. Well, no, you could try it. to do it. Have you? Sorry, I think I've said this to you before. Have you honestly never been out hammered? Oh, God, and no, given don't it a be world? stupid. Don't be stupid. Have you not? Nobody no. yeah. Have you? Yeah, what, are, you are you are you the lifter or the liftee? I'm, unbelievably, I'm the liftee, <laughs> which is why it's never happened. So I've been stood there drunk as a monkey, and it's like this is a great idea. I can yeah. dance, of course I can dance. And I've run, <laughs> I've run at him, and then just at the last second, we've both gone. What are you doing? And just run you, around him. So are you running? Are you running at a stranger? Is there a stranger <laughs> having a beer in a bar, and suddenly you come thundering towards <laughs> him? <laughs> <laughs> Going, are you ready? <laughs> Lift me. Thundering. <laughs> Cheeky fucker. Bloody rude. But in terms of in the film, in that in the screen test, you can see them trying to do the lift and building and building until they actually succeed. And that's before they even got the roles. And then here, that behind the scenes footage, you're absolutely right, Alex. You can see how nervous she is having to do it in front of everyone. And she's having doubts. And you can even hear Swayze. Um, in this footage saying to her, trust me, trust these wrists. <laughs> oh, yeah. I do, Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Although, remember, they hadn't always been getting on. So, you know, you got to hope they were in a good place because if they'd had an argument that morning, he's like, yeah, 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 trust me, I got you. Don't you worry, Jennifer. <laughs> I like the climax because I like the fact that Jake, uh, baby's dad, Jake, uh, he doesn't <laughs> actually apologised to Johnny after finding out that he was wrong That's about true, yeah. the abortion, which I think is quite cool. He just says to him, when I'm wrong, I'll say I'm wrong. <laughs> and it's just like, Johnny's like, oh, apology accepted. Uh, no, I didn't apologise. I just <laughs> yeah. said, when I'm wrong, I'll say I'm wrong. But I won't yeah. actually say sorry. But he doesn't say he's wrong. He says, when I'm wrong, I'll say I'm wrong. <laughs> That's not now. You mean, I'm not... <laughs> you mean, you mean like now? No, yeah, exactly. No, like, when uh, I'm wrong. Yeah. Jerry Orbach, who plays that role, he was a great Broadway star, like a big star. So I think it's kind of sad we never got to see him do his moves. Mm. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Um, that's all I have. Do you want to do the bits? Do you have any more? I have a quote for you. Uh, this is from Patrick Swayze's memoir, "The Time of My Life." He says, "I felt all along that Johnny should ultimately end up with Penny." as they were much more alike and a more realistic couple than Johnny and Baby. So that's what, that's what Swayze <laughs> thought. Yep. I think that's true. I think that's fine. I think he, can, he should sleep with Baby because she needs to become a woman. Um, and then it's <laughs> like he's paid his debt. Whoa, hang on. Let me just check what I'm about to say. I think it's okay. So oh, he's... <laughs> damn it. I thought I wanted you to blunder into that and then we could like use it as a trailer. Like, I think he doesn't always get it right. <laughs> Look, you, I don't always have to be perfect to be able to have an opinion about something. Uh-huh. Anyway. Uh, oh, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> Penny and Johnny are a better match, but he can have this like romance with Baby and then give her what she needs to take on the rest of the world and then go off with Penny and start a dance school or something and have loads of sex. That works. Yeah. I'm happy with yeah. that. Good. 
Uh, right, okay, good, good, is good. That, is that, have you like, jumped ahead to your change? Is that your change? No, then? I just thought of that. Um, okay. No, that's not my change. Uh, what was your best scene, Alex? Uh, the first dirty dancing scene when they kick open those doors with those watermelons in their arms. And <laughs> wow, I was I was Jennifer Grey's face. I, my face was her face. Her face was my face. I was like, holy smokes, that is dirty dancing. And then some. Was your Chris? face Jennifer Grey's face before or after the nose job? <laughs> oh, come on, Chris. Is that, yeah, I see, obviously, not knowing uh, who she really was before this movie, but obviously having that information. So that is the story, that she had this nose job and then never really worked uh, as much as she did before having the nose job, mm-hmm. which is... Because um, no one knew who she was. Yeah. Oh, did she, she said she called different. it the nose job yeah. from hell because it made her unrecognisable, which is such a strange thing to happen. I've, I've never heard of that happening with anyone else, but it's absolutely true. I think she was in Friends uh, yeah. in the early 90s and, and no one knew it was Jennifer Grey from Dirty Dancing because she does. it's made her look so different. She looks completely different. Mm. Um, my scene, I'm going for the, the climactic dance sequence. It's obvious, but it's it really had me uh, sort of cheering along. So love it. Yeah, I liked it until the bit where she's on stage and Patrick Swayze and the rest of his dance troupe are kind of finger clicking towards her. And it just looked very Grease at that moment. It was a very, very grease-like moment. Kind of West Side said, Story, I think. Is the, that's yeah. right. Sorry, yeah. yeah, that's more like it. Yeah, yeah. which is, I, I know that you said you didn't mind it despite it being hyper-real, uh, V, but I, it, for me it was a bit too, like, in a moment that is quite authentic for considering, you know, how What's going on? staged yeah. it is. It does feel, like, authentic and realistic until that moment. Yeah. Oh. It's weird because I really hate Grease and I really hate West Side Story. But I do really like that end scene and I like it more because of that that moment. It's very odd. It just works. Um, so it's my best scene as well. Is Time of Your Life, does that sound like a song that would have been released in the 60s? No. Oh, someone's going for one of my changes. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I'll say it now. I'll say it now. I was... I've. Ever since the first time I've saw I saw this, I've been annoyed with the anachronisms in the music in such a modern sound to Hungry Eyes and She's Like the Wind and particularly the time of my life. And mm. I don't like the song anyway. And I know it won the Oscar and everyone adores that song, but I think it's an absolutely soulless song and it's totally out of place. Like they should have got a classic from the era like they did elsewhere or at least record it with the instruments and the production of the time to make it sound like one of these dirty dancing rock and roll numbers. But for me, it really spoils that ending a little bit. It really does. Mm. Okay, good. Good. I'm glad I brought that up. Sorry, well, that you said before, who, who wrote that song? What was he called? I can't remember. But he didn't want to do it because he, he was told the plot of the film and he thought it sounded like a porno. And he's like, I don't yeah. associate with that. I don't want to do it. And he's, he was having a baby and he's like, I don't want anything to do with this. I'm a, you know, I'm out. And then he was convinced to come back in and recorded it, but still, it still sounds like a porno to me. And then, you know, won everything. Yeah. Um, uh, right, that's throw me. You've done your change. Do you want to do your change, Alex? And we're just sort of, you know. Are we going to do MVWs in the middle or are we just going to... Kenny Ortega. Mine's Kenny Ortega. He's brilliant. There you go. Okay, mine's the soundtrack. The the, soundtrack. The dancing, yep. Great, great. Yours, Chris? I would agree with the soundtrack if they took off those blooming pop songs. Um, (laughs) But they did introduce me to so much great music when I was a kid, like all those, those, you know, rock and soul numbers. But now I've got to go Patrick Swayze, haven't I? This film's nothing without him. Anyone else in that role, I don't think this film's a hit. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And it's and it's be, and because he loves dance, and because he was a dancer, like the commitment, 
like that he puts into the, the the dancing. He is in those moments not really acting. He's just dancing, and it's yes. obviously very realistic and very authentic. And you can tell like his passion for dance screams through the screen. It's it's amazing. Mm. Uh, so what would oh, you change, um, I've Alex? Got an, I've got an honorary mention, sorry, before I do my change, an honorary mention to Jane Brooker, who plays Baby's sister. I didn't really do much after this film. I just think that uh, scene where she's rehearsing for the talent mm. show <laughs> yeah, as she performs so that song, Hula Hannah, that she actually um, she co-wrote herself, um, is hilarious. She yeah. is so funny in that well, scene, she was a st- so. she was a stand-up comic that's how they found her and you can right. s- i didn't know that watching it but you can totally see it when you know yeah. that, that she's got really good comedy timing yeah uh so yeah sorry you um asked me for a change didn't you victoria uh I, it's, just, it's a little change kind of silly i just don't know why johnny smashes his car window when he locks so his weird. keys inside yeah. really I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm like what are you that's your car why he's are you a doing wild that? man he's wild there's gonna he's be glass a... all over the seat that baby sits on it's the that's 60s. how wild he is it's the 60s you can break into a car now like in, in 2021 <laughs> i'm pretty sure in the 60s you can get a coat hanger down the side of that door and unlock it and i, I get the fact it's raining and it's like oh, it's raining really heavily they're not made of salt like they can survive a bit of rain so what a silly thing to do. What a it stupid is, thing to really do. It's a really weird moment. I'd forgotten about it, actually. And it's like, it, it is there to, for him to be like, hey, this guy's capable of anything. <laughs> but it's very, very odd. Um, mine is a really little thing as well. And it's back to Lisa, baby's sister. The Lisa is going to shag Robbie storyline is set up like a ticking bomb. Like something bad is going to happen if Lisa shags Robbie. And then it's swerved at the last minute. She goes to his cabin. He's having sex with someone else. I think Mrs. Pressman. And so Lisa's like, oh, I'm not going to do that. And nothing happens because of that. So I would just uh, augment that storyline a bit so that, um, I don't know, either Lisa and baby hugely fall out and she goes off with Robbie and she loves his individualism and it sets the sisters apart or just something happens to get Lisa out of that situation or she does shag Robbie and it's terrible and all the rest of it. But it's it feels like a big deal and then it just disappears in like three seconds. Mm. Agreed. I've also got, I've got an, a new change, if I may. Sure. Oh, but I think it's quite an important one. So this is the story of baby starting out a teenage girl and ending the film a woman. Mm. Uh, we find out her real name is Francis. And even when he hears that, um, Johnny says, oh, that's a real grown-up name. So why the hell in her moment of maturity, when he walks up to her, does he call her baby rather than Francis? (laughs) There's such an opportunity there for him to give her her grown-up name yeah. And take her on stage. So although we don't like the corner bit of it, the baby bit of it is the thing I have a problem with. It should be nobody puts Francis in the corner because she's emerging. Literally every part of that line is wrong. There's no <laughs> corner and she should be called Francis. It should be, it should be, nobody puts Francis against a wall. <laughs> that sounds like somewhere else. Yeah, that sounds terrible. Yeah. Well, it depends. That's not, yeah. It's something else. Uh, right, that's it. We're done. You done? All right, that is Dirty Dancing finished. It is time now. Remember, it went up against Footloose. Let's do the verdict. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! uh, These were your choices, Uh, Christopher. Who would you like to go first? It's hardly hardly need to do it this week. I feel like I know where we're all going, but why don't you kick Uh, us off, Alex, by telling us why you uh, prefer Dirty Dancing? (laughs) 
I've, well, I didn't even I didn't even go that far. I've just written I've never seen either of these films, so with no nostalgia, no rose tinted glasses, no preconceived ideas, one is simply a much better film, and that film is called Dirty Dancing. Victoria. Yes, what Alex said. I've I've only written Dirty Dancing because it, Footloose would have had to do a hell of a job to to like oust Dirty Dancing in my mind. Anyway, even though I don't, I think Dirty Dancing is incredible, but it's not perfect, like everything. But Footloose is just too disjointed. It's too, it's really weird in bits. There are characters that pop up that you've never even met that are really important. And and also it's not, it's the dancing. I just, I'm a, I am did really fall like into this nostalgic idea of this sort of, the Rose Tint view of the 60s and the Rockettes and all of that. And that did have a, a very powerful draw Dirty dancing always. Good. Chris. Good. Well, if I'm honest, I went into this thinking I was going to pick Footloose. I really did. Uh, but I feel like my my judgment of Dirty Dancing has really been coloured by their use of time of my life at the end of the film. <laughs> like, it's really annoyed me for the past 30 years. Hmm. But this time, you know, watching it a couple of times this week, I kind of took a step back and said, you can't blame everything on that one song. And like you guys, I agree. It's a much, much uh, better film. And... I'm now annoyed that he calls a Fran- baby not Francis as well. So there's two things I'm annoyed about at the end. But in spite of that <laughs> flaw, it's much better movie. So obviously, three for three, Dirty Dancing. Yeah. Well done, Dirty Dancing is the winner this week. It is unanimous. Let's see what the poll says when it goes on Twitter. But I'm pretty sure it will be a similar story there. Uh, that's what I'm calling. I'm calling Dirty Dancing as the the poll. Obviously, a, a few weeks ago, uh, Chris uh, Chris said it would definitely be uh, coming to America uh, that beat out Crocodile Dundee in the poll. But uh, that wasn't the case. That wasn't the case. It was Crocodile Dundee that won. You know, I'm a big fan of the poll and talking about the poll. Really interests me, that poll. Uh, it is at ClashPod on Twitter. If you like polls, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> uh, right then, uh, clue time. Victoria, you gave us a clue for next week's movies on Monday. Remind us what that clue was and indeed what films we are doing. So the clue was justice is giving the people what they want. And that means inevitably that, Alex, you are watching Justice League from 2017. Oh. And, and Chris, you are watching Zack Snyder's Justice League from 2021. All of it. Controversial. <laughs> Enjoy your 17 hours of movie watching, Chris. That'll be fun for me. I can't believe you're going to have to take notes on all of that. I'm so glad it's my week to choose. I'm sure a fair, fair bit of the notes will be copy and pasted from the Monday show, but we'll see. We'll see. Who knows? Yes. Who knows what's different and what's the same? Yeah. I am really interested. I really hope it's good. Just like for, I'm, I'm, I'm not that invested in it emotionally. No, I'm, mm, yeah, but I'm mm. fully aware that a lot of people are. And yes, and I've really, been attacked by those people online. So I don't know how I feel about this whole thing. <laughs> I just want them to be happy. It seems like, it seems like so long. It seems like <laughs> this has been going on forever, and we're still all, we're still all pretending that there was a Snyder cut originally, and that they haven't just made <laughs> a new movie. Alex, Alex, save it, save it for next week. <laughs> <laughs> You're already okay. given your verdict for next week. <laughs> no. All right, then. Uh, that is us done for this week. Uh, if you haven't, uh, please do subscribe to us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please follow us on Twitter at ClashPod, on Instagram at ClashPod. We're doing Justice League next week. Uh, we'll be back to talk about the first Justice League on Monday. Bye bye. 
This was a Stakhanov production and part of the Acast Creative Network. 